Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Today, we're going to talk about El Capitan State Beach Campground in California. Close to Santa Barbara, California. So yeah. a beautiful area. So what's, what's going to this place all about, Julie? Well, it's close to us. We were looking for something that we could do an easy drive to and get back quite easily because it was a short trip. Mm-hmm. This was one of our shortest effort trips. Yeah, and we yeah. were taking the Airstream. So, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a little bit of an undertaking to get that all ready to go for such a short trip. But I love doing it. Because there was no hookups, so it was an interesting experience yeah, for so that us, would be a new a experience. First time thing for us. So this trip would be for us, literally leave Friday late afternoon, spend the whole day Saturday, and by Sunday late morning, we'd be out of there and then yeah. coming back home. So a real short camping opportunity for us, but a nice spot in Southern California, and we'll tell you all about it if you're interested in camping on the beach near the beach and if you like the pacific ocean stay with us on this episode and we'll tell you about this specific spot and then you can make a decision if it's something that you might like to do so like you mentioned julie el capitan state beach campground is it's roughly about 10 minutes north of santa barbara which is a beautiful place in and of itself but if you drive a little further up the road you get out of the city of santa barbara and then you're in I guess it's kind of a rural type of area, right? There's no, because when you get to El Capitan. Well, there's a lot of ranch and farmland. Yeah. But when you're at the campground, you're going to have to drive at least 10 minutes, probably back toward the city of Santa Barbara. If you want any kind of stores or amenities, once you get oh, out of Santa Barbara, you're right. you're in a more desolate kind of area. But you are still close enough where if you have to hop in your car to get something, yeah. 10 minutes, you're back close to Santa Barbara. For us, it was relatively easy because it was such a short trip. But if you plan anything longer, plan well, because there is nothing that you could just jump out and get a, you know, some milk real quick. Or right. There get, was no campground, just, you can't do it. no store or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So state beach campground. So obviously you have proximity to the beach, to the Pacific Ocean. This is also a popular spot for Camping in general, it's a nice spot for picnics if you even wanted to go up there for the day. Wildlife viewing, anything from viewing the aquatic marine life to bird watching, you've got that available and outdoor activities. And we'll tell you about some of those as well as we continue. The campground itself has a lot of trees in it. I think that when they designed this, they left many of the trees that were still existing and designed the campground around it. So that was really nice. Yeah, because you got shade on You most see very of the... mature trees. There's some sycamore trees. There's oak trees, which is very common to the Southern California area. 
and you see eucalyptus trees, which are not native, but California has has many. put many, many eucalyptus trees in as windbreakers, as yeah. usually for the farming and the ranch lands. Mm-hmm. So they provide a lot of shade throughout the park, depending on exactly where you're at. If you are lower down coming into the campground, you get those lower campgrounds, um, there's more trees there than there is if you start moving up towards the higher part of the campground. Mm -hmm. But regardless of it, you're right on the beach, so it's gorgeous. Speaking of the beach, there's some great overlooks at these sites. Some of them you have to walk to depending on your campsite. We were very lucky to get a fantastic site where you just walked a few 50, 100 yards and you're right at the edge of these overlooks that are right there on the beach, basically. You can't get down there by trying to climb down because this is sandstone and it's very, very dangerous to stand too close to the edge because it could give way. Which is why they have the signs posted there about don't get too close to the edge because yeah. danger could be uh, underfoot. Yeah, yeah. and it, it but, looked that way. Yeah, but when we were standing there and looking at the ocean, you had the ocean come up just to the edge of the cliff that we mm-hmm. were standing on top of. And then there was, I think, uh, an area with a whole bunch of seaweed. And then as we were looking beyond that, the fish. You saw, I mean, wow. with the naked eye, you saw these huge fish so it's like a fisherman's delight if they can get past that seaweed yes that would be the trick yes it was fantastic also you can look for whales between november and april because they migrate to and from mexico and there's also dolphins of course that come through the area so it's just there's so many things you could see and so much beauty there it's just really nice if you want to get down to the beach they do have a way to for you to get down because they have built in stairways and walkways down into the beach area. Yeah. So let's talk about the campground itself. So El Capitan State Beach Campground has more than 130 single family campsites, and they also have several group campsites. And the group campsites are for larger groups that have anywhere from 40 to 100 people. The individual campsites, which is like the one that we had, You get a picnic table, you get a fire ring, but like you mentioned, Julie, there's no hookup, Mm -hmm. so no electric, no water hookup, and no No sewer sewer. hookup. Mm -hmm. And we've never done that before, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to get a feel for that, and we did. And We did, and I'm glad we did. It was a very, very good learning experience for us. We had learning moments, and we'll get into that. Yes. RVs can be accommodated up to 42 feet. We were at 30 feet, so that worked well for us. Mm -hmm. There are restrooms within the campground. So if you're in an RV and if you don't want to use the facilities in your RV because you don't have any hookups, you do have the option of going to within each of the the sub campgrounds. You can go to the restrooms. There's also coin-operated showers. Right. And remember, there's still tent camping there, too. So those restrooms and the showers are really designed for the tent campers yeah if you do decide to use the shower though make sure you bring some water shoes that's always a good idea i looked at the showers they were acceptable yeah but i wouldn't go in there barefoot yeah i don't go into any public shower that's us i know yeah i'm I'm a german germy phobe (laughs) campsites here can be reserved april 1st through november 30th 
and they're on a first come first serve basis for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So during the reservation window, April 1st to November 30th, this is a super popular campground. You can make a reservation up to six months in advance, not prior. And I was even looking recently at six months out from where we are, and it was like full every single campsite so if you have a a sense that you want to camp there in june for example which would be a nice time you know summertime you're gonna have to make that reservation in december and you gotta Mm -hmm. mark your calendar Mm -hmm. and you know six months to the day get on there early get online early yeah first thing that morning and that's how many of the state parks in California work, as well as some of the national parks. I think about Sequoia and when we camp there, I have my calendar set. And when I know that we want to be there six months to the day, whatever it is, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., I'm on the computer and, uh, you know, fingers crossed mm-hmm. uh, to get a campsite. Right. But uh, and especially now, I think during as we're recording this in COVID era and fewer people have the ability to travel outside of the country camping within the United States is becoming more popular. And we've been hearing that the popularity of camping has exploded. So it's going to be- Sales of RVs are jumping tremendously up. And so if you want a spot, a particular spot, um, just make sure you're really on it. Yeah. So let's talk about the experience that we had at El Capitan from a, a camping perspective. Well, we got there, and this was going to be our second time backing into a spot. I say our because my husband did a fantastic job of doing it the first time. So he did it again, and you did a great job. And you navigated me. I navigated you in, but we were lucky that we had a spot where it was enough room that we didn't have to squeeze into a site. It was, you know, it was pretty roomy. And also the road that you turned from had enough space where you could, you know, navigate in without worrying about the truck hitting something. And it was still nerve wracking. Yeah, I I guess for those who haven't towed a trailer, the whole backing up process is backwards from how you normally back up your car. So when you're backing up your car, when you turn the wheel in a certain direction so you're for your car to go left when you have a trailer behind you when the wheel is turned the way for your car to turn left the trailer is going to go right yeah so your brain is doing this kind of trying to unscramble how you normally perceive the direction that you're going i mean just remember i had to like stop for (laughs) for a few (laughs) seconds and kind of do this in my head okay i want to go that way so i've got to go the opposite way of how i usually do it but yeah i think within what was it, five minutes, five, seven minutes, yeah. I think we were backed in. Yeah, we, we were backed in. And the way that the trailer pivots on the hitch, it's like the slightest little turn, it seems like makes exaggerated moves. So you really have to be careful mm-hmm. about making these small little moves and then just following the trailer in. It's hard. Yeah. You know, while we're talking about this being a beach campground, I think there was four different loops within the the campground. We were in loop D Mm -hmm. and in loop D as an example, almost every campsite did not have a direct view of the ocean, but we were within steps of the overlook. So I think, you know, once we got out from our trailer, you'd walk, you know, 15 seconds and you'd you'd be overlooking the beach. But there are a few campsites there, primo spots Mm -hmm. where... If you're sitting in your trailer, you're going to be overlooking the Pacific Ocean Mm -hmm. and just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the price, I mean, it's just 
when you think about the kind of views that you get, the magnificence of the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So we did finally get our trailer backed in and then the setup process began. And it was getting a little dusky, you know, so this sun was going down, which always makes me nervous because we're not like expert RVers RVers yet. So I was getting nervous about that, but we managed to do what we needed to do. We got up the next morning or did we do it that evening do we set the awning up friday evening we uh walked across the campground no actually drove to the lower loop and visited with some friends who were also camping yeah Yeah. and in fact they're the reason that we came up here because i Mm -hmm. think they had reservations Mm -hmm. first and then we thought hey that would be a good idea to to come join so we spent Mm -hmm. friday evening with them and then saturday morning we kind of finished setting up camp put the awning out yeah, it, it was all set up. It looked great. Mm-hmm. We were camping. <laughs> we, yes, it was really, it was really very was, enjoyable. Yeah. I started noticing though that there was this white powder. They were poured out like geometrically around, and you could tell it's like around things. And mm-hmm. I realized it was around the RVs that had been set up and pulled away and left this white powder. So we had asked our friends. Why are people putting all this powder all over the place? And they had told us that anytime that you're in a beach type setting, there is usually an ant problem. So we're like, oh, oh no. Now our friends are are lovely friends. We, We adore them. Are always ready. They got whatever you need. So we found out that it was borax and it has to be real borax, not anything mixed with it. It has to be straight borax because that's a natural product and it won't hurt the environment. But it's borax that they put around the jacks, the tires, anything um, that touches anything the ground. That touches the ground. Yeah. And that's supposed to prevent the ants from crossing that barrier into yeah. your trailer. We had a new thing to add to our camping checklist. Mm-hmm. And as we're recording this, I'm not sure if I've added that. So when we're done, yeah. I'll have to make sure for future trips, we've got our borax with us, especially for, for, for beach. beach trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did go down to the beach. Our beautiful granddaughters joined us on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. And then, then there was their parents, too. And then uh, <laughs> your daughter. <laughs> my daughter. So we had a great time. We went down to the beach and they played on the beach and had, a, you know, it was just it was a nice beach. The only thing you have to be careful of is in that area. There are oil rigs off the coast and the beach can tend to get oh, tar on it yeah and there was tar there was tar speckles as we were walking around so yeah so as we talk about the beach you know i think about the many 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 years that i've lived in southern california and i've been to beaches all up and down the coast i don't remember any beach that had as many mussels mm. on rocks as mm-hmm. i saw at el capitan i mean there were just everywhere yeah i think it's because the tide comes in so far close to the um, camping area really and they've got all those rocks there and they attach themselves to rocks yeah and we ended up taking quite a long stroll along the beach because the friends that we were with our friend joe brought his fishing pole and wanted to try out some fishing off the shoreline so i uh, accompanied him and we were looking for just the right spot and again part of the challenge was so much of the the coastline here had immense amounts of seaweed between the shoreline and then where probably you know some of the better spots for fishing would be so we kept walking and walking mm-hmm. 
to find a, a decent spot to throw the fishing line out. Mm-hmm. And then we walked some more and then some more. And I felt like we were probably in carpentry. <laughs> we just kept walking, walking, walking. Well, I know. I went to go find you. Yeah. So uh, we walked about as a long, long, long way. Mm-hmm. But uh, along that way, you know, we were walking through. There was nobody there. So you've got mm-hmm. this stretch of ocean that I mean, we had to ourselves and that was that was kind of neat mm-hmm. and uh he did throw out the line he caught quite a bit of seaweed <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen to catch any fish that afternoon but as you mentioned having seen many fish and many huge fish from mm-hmm. the overlooks there they are out they are there. there so they're yeah. there so there are according to people that are in the know there are rockfish calicos and halibut mm-hmm. that you can uh, fish mm-hmm. for off the coast there. And then one of the things that I had read about this area camping, I think when I was looking at the trip advisors, some people were complaining about the noise that would emanate from mm-hmm. Highway 101. So I remember, you know, trying to be attuned to that and I didn't find the noise too audible or too distracting. If anything, maybe there was a little bit of like a white noise. There was definitely white noise. I think that's something that I personally have no problem with. I grew up my entire life with white noise on a very busy street. So it didn't bother me at all. I think, though, there are different loops that might be a little bit closer to the 101. And they might hear a little bit more noise Mm. than we did. Mm -hmm. There's also a train that's close to that area. And our friends, I can't remember. They were in loop B, I think. Loop A or B. Yeah, Yeah, one of those. We had walked over there to visit, and at one point a train went through. And it was in the day, so, I mean, it wasn't bothersome at all. But you could hear it. I mean, it was was definitely there. Didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. So Saturday afternoon, like you mentioned, we spent a bit of, you know, a few hours at the beach. And then we came back to our campsite. And one of the things that I think we have a, a mental placeholder for, and it's on our checklist, and we forgot to do when we left our campsite was, you know, we're told, you know, whenever you leave your campsite, if you have the awning out on your rig, put the awning in just in case there's any kind of wind that picks up, you don't want any problem with your awning. So we came back, the awning was out and, um, and our grandchildren sure. were there. Yeah, and they came in the trailer and they started pushing buttons around the uh, <laughs> the, the awning mechanism because we have an electric awning. And then I think I remember seeing some light flashing or something. So I went to make sure they didn't screw something up with the awning. <laughs> so I pushed the button to have the awning come back in and nothing happened. And then I'm pushing some other buttons and nothing is happening. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, the grandbabies pressed the buttons and... <laughs> discombobulated the awning mechanism and now I can't get my awning back in. And because it's an electric one, I had like no clue if there is any way to have it come back in manually. Well, and in my mind, I thought when we picked up the Airstream that that Vince told us that there was a manual way to put it back. Yeah. And little did I know that the manual way was you actually had to hook up your truck to it so you can get some power to it. Yeah, I think there still is another way, and I got to research that yeah. more. But that ended up being how we solved the awning that that wouldn't yes. um, come back in. But mm-hmm. because of that, yes. there's more to the story. We call Vince. Yeah, we actually so, call Vince. So again. Vince is the guy at. <laughs> Many, many kudos to Vince at A to Z Motors up in Winters, California, who um, is a really knowledgeable guy about 
used Airstreams and this is what he does. He sells used Airstreams. And even though we bought ours from him at the beginning of the year, there's been a couple of times when we've had to get on the phone with the, oh my gosh, what do we do? And he's been quick to pick up the phone. Awesome. He just now he picks up the phone. I remember I laughed so hard because, you know, you got on the phone and he goes, Art. So he knows exactly who's calling. (laughs) Yeah. So and then so the issue was not only was there like something that went amok with the awning, the real reason that the awning wasn't coming back in is we had drained our battery. Nothing left. Dun, dun, dun. Don't let this happen to no. you because that's a bad thing. So this was our learning moment for our first dry camping experience. And I'm glad if this was to happen to us that it happened on a trip mm-hmm. where we basically only had one full day of camping because mm-hmm. it really struck home to me how cautious you have to be with your energy usage in the trailer. So just to give an example, you know, we landed there, batteries fully charged. Friday night, we had the lights on in the trailer. And I think somewhere along the line, I ended up putting the, we have an inverter switch. And so there's solar panels. And when you put the inverter switch on, that allows you to suck electricity from, I think the solar contraption for things like charging your iPhones or like small electronic Mm -hmm. gadgets. But I didn't know that when the inverter is on, it's continuing to use energy. So the inverter was sucking energy out of the battery. The refrigerator Mm -hmm. would have, even though it was running on propane, it's also drawing an electric current Mm -hmm. from the batteries. We use the awning a couple mm-hmm. of times in and out, in and out. So that drained some juice. And was there anything else that was probably draining electricity? Oh, the mm-hmm. other thing that was that was on, we didn't use, but I, I noticed it was on. We have, um, it's like an, a car stereo CD player. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in an on position. So the lights were on and everything. We weren't listening to nice. it. But, you know, when you're dry camping, it only takes a few things to start draining your battery. And so... Um, Lesson learned here is like for us, even though we have the inverter, only use it when you really need to use it. Don't have it turned on all the time. I, th- I might have had the water pump switch turned on for longer than when we were just using the fresh water from our fresh water tanks. So I think moral of the story is dry camping, everything off unless you really, really need it. Mm. And I, I think, don't the, know. well, and the other thing though, I think we walked away from is thinking that if we do the dry camping in the future, there's a reason people camp with generators. I also think it might be a battery issue too, because that's just, everything you described is not a whole heck of a lot of power. So but it was I'm, enough still, to, I'm still questioning. Yeah. It sounds like when we're going to have to look at probably getting new batteries, because we did pick, mm-hmm. we did have a used Airstream. The batteries are several years old. So since coming back from the trip, we've been watching YouTubes on generators. So I think we might be in the market for a generator in 2021. Yeah, Yeah. because we have several camping vacations already booked between now and uh, next May. And everyone that we have on the book so far has hookups. So Mm -hmm. we're not in dire need of a generator, but probably sometime after summer of 2021, I can imagine that we would be doing some, some dry camping, yeah. 
So talking about some other things that you can do at El Capitan and around El Capitan State Beach, if you like hiking, there are several trails that emanate from the park or nearby the park. You've got the Ancio Trail, which is a five mile trail, and that'll take you from El Capitan State Beach to Refugio State Beach. So that would be a nice day out. You also have some other nice trails. You've got the Bill Wallace El Capitan Trail, the Canyon Trail and the Ridgetop Trail. So lots of hiking options. And if you spend a few days up there, we always enjoy a, a nice hike when we're out and about. And I think we mentioned earlier, you know, bird watching. You've got hairy woodpeckers, American kestrels, and I think we even saw some red-tailed oh, yeah, hawks. We did. So yeah. some beautiful birds, mm -hmm. and uh, they make this area their home. Well, how about a little fun fact history? We have history about El Capitan. Of course, we do. The first commander of Santa Barbara Presidio was Jose Francisco Ortega. He was a chief scout for the Portola expedition when they discovered the San Francisco base. So this is way north. And when he retired after 40 years of military service, the Spanish crown granted him, get this, 26,500 acres of land west of what is now called El Capitan Beach. So the name comes from this early Californian. El, Cap the, El Capitan Captain. Jose. Ortega's grandson is Jose Dolores Ortega. And he obtained another 8,800 acres of land, including the site of this future state beach. I mean, at that point, it wasn't a state beach. Mm -hmm. And he got this from the Mexican government in 1841. So he and his family lived on Rancho Cañada del Coral, and they were raising cattle and farming until they were forced to sell the land in 1866 because of horrible, horrible droughts in the area, mm -hmm. which we are well known for, aren't we? Comes with the territory. It does come with yeah. the territory. But in 1953, so many, many years later, the state of California then purchased 111 acres of the former rancho, and that's what created the El Capitan State Beach. And in 1967, the legislature approved the purchase of an additional 21 acres. So this was growing, you know, this state beach was growing. Um, there was a little bit of some worry that the public lands were kind of being intruded upon by building that was going on in the area. So in 2002, there was a quick $500,000 raised to purchase 2,500 acres of land that was known as the El Capitan Ranch. Mm. So this is how they procured all this land. Yeah. And good thing they did, because when you go there, you can see that natural beauty is has been untouched. Yeah. I mean, it's never been disturbed. You know, one other thing that we didn't talk about, and I, I'm just remembering right now, because this area is far enough away from cities and city lights. You kind of have, you know, Santa Barbara's mm -hmm. 10 minutes away, but it's still f far enough from there that when I think about in the evening, oh yeah, I don't remember in California, it, it's a rare, it's a rare time that I've seen as many stars as we saw that night. Yeah. Even when we go to, and I've mentioned Sequoia several times, and mm -hmm. because we've been there well over a dozen times, mm -hmm. it's, it's our favorite place to camp. 
but partly because when we're there, you've got so much tree stuff over you that large blocks trees. some of yeah. the view of yeah. the sky. You but have here, to walk out to certain areas to be able to see the sky when you're in yeah. Sequoias. But here at El Capitan, we were sitting out there at night looking up at the sky and other than maybe an evening we once had at Death Valley National Park or something, I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of stars that you could see was mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah, so, no, no light pollution. Yeah, so maybe in the future, you know, one of these days when there's a meteor shower and we... Uh, we usually on the, those nights, be at the Perseoid meteor showers, we're usually spending a couple hours in our backyard with our necks cranked, looking upwards. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we're lucky to maybe see a meteor One, or two, maybe. yeah, <laughs> and we stay out there and looking and looking and looking. And part of it is just because we do have, we live closer to Los Angeles, Los Angeles. and we've There's got that, that, that bleeding yeah. of, of the light. So anyways, I throw that out there. If you're interested in night sky, El Capitan State Beach gives you a, a very beautiful sky. So how do you get there, honey? Yeah. So how do you get there? It was an interesting how do it you get was, there. It was. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you'd think that you just turn on Waze on your phone and type in El Capitan and off you'd go and you get there. Don't do it. So here's what, what happened. So we're on Highway 101, which is what you need to be on to get to El Capitan State Beach. I had El Capitan, I guess, something stuck into the phone. State Beach. That's what it said. <laughs> okay. And we knew that we were getting close and we got to a point where we were probably just a few minutes away. We knew we were, we were very close. Mm-hmm. And Waze was telling us, we're on the highway, it's telling us to make a left. Uh-huh. So all of the off ramps are on the right, but it tells us to make a left mm-hmm. in like the middle of the 101 freeway. Mm-hmm. So I start to pull over to the left with, or was I driving? I or was you? driving. You were driving. You pull over to the left. And now we're Th- in the there middle of There was actually a left-hand turn lane. Yeah. And then I think it was telling us to make some kind of U-turn. And I'm like, oh, no. And, and we, re- we were thinking to ourselves, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. I kept looking to where the left was leading to. Yeah. And it was leading into nothing. It yeah. was just a, a small road that didn't seem to have anywhere to go. Yeah. I pulled up an alternate map on Google Maps and realized that there was a couple of El Capitan things in the area. So I think Waze was tuned into not where we wanted to go, but something different. And uh, so now we knew we still had to go up the road a little bit more, but now we had this precarious thing about we're in this left-hand lane. We need to get Mm -hmm. back on the highway where Mm -hmm. cars are coming Zooming by, by. 60 70 miles I an hour get back on the fast lane and we've got a trailer behind us so our and there's ability people wanting to turn left behind us yeah so was that was a little bit of a nail, nail biter, biter. Yeah. yeah so what you want to do is get off at exit 117 yes. if Waze tells you to do something different and do this u-turn thing on the Don't 101 do it keep going straight yes. until you get to exit 117 uh, to and to the right by the way yes you like a you get off like a normal uh, exit. off ramp off to the right you get off at 117 you go i think there's an underpass that takes you under the freeway and yeah then so you, if you have a yeah. large rig it looks a little intimidating because there's this a gigantic pylon between that splits the road as you're going into the park so you're under the freeway mm-hmm. so there's these big gigantic pylons that splits the road, so you have to go around it. So it looks a little intimidating if you have a large rig. 
it might feel like you're not going to make it, but there's quite a bit of room. And there was plenty of rigs that had gone past it that were within the park already. So, you know, they can do it. Yeah. So I think let's uh, end maybe with a few tips of camping at El Capitan. El Capitan has a lot of wildlife. You're not seeing it visible because there's a lot of brush and you'll hear it in the brush, all this little movement going on. So it's very, very extremely advisable to not leave any food items out on a picnic table or outside of your camper. Make sure they're stored away very well. Don't leave trash, whether it's a trash bag or trash on the table. Don't leave it there because there's these little bandits that we found out that uh, live around that area. Yeah, we're hearing rustling. Is that a mouse? Is that a rat? What is that sound? (laughs) And the next thing I know... You and Robert were the ones that were out there. Yeah, we were sitting out there by yeah. the picnic table. And you just, you, I think I, you just said, don't come out. <laughs> I was just like, okay. Because <laughs> I was in the trailer. Oh, you didn't yeah. see it? I saw it after. Okay. I saw it run across because it went under the trailer. Okay. And then, the, and then I came out and then it ran across to, back into the brush. What was it, Julie? It was a little raccoon baby. Yeah. So we were sitting. Very we're, small. It was. I think we were sitting. One of us was by the fire. One of us was at the picnic table. We had just finished eating dinner. There was a trash bag at, at the end of the table. We're there. And the raccoon just, I mean, boldly comes up <laughs> to where we are and starts checking out the trash bag. So this wasn't even. So it's always advisable when you're camping. Obviously, don't right. leave food around because. Most of the camping we do is in areas where there's bear. Bears, yeah. So we're very attuned to making sure that if there's food, it's locked up in a bear box. You know, not anywhere where we are type yeah, of thing. Not in your vehicle. But they, this is they the first. They will go into your vehicle. Yeah, this was my first will. raccoon experience. Yeah. So they are there out at El Capitan. Yeah. So beware. And, and they may look cute, but they're little ferocious things. So you stay away from them. They scare me. <laughs> yeah. As we said before, there are cliffs in this area and you need to be very, very cautious when getting close to the cliffs. Yeah, there's signs that warn mm-hmm. you and they're there for a reason mm-hmm. and because there is erosion that happens. Right. So um, admire the view, but do it a few steps back from the cliffside mm-hmm. to make sure that you can come back another day and view some more. Yeah, you might get really banged up if you go down that cliff. Yeah. And as... We also mentioned it's very important that you uh, get online and make reservations six months in advance and be on that six months because it's a very popular campground. Yeah, so you might be thinking, you know, we're talking about beach camping and it's uh, as we're recording this, it's getting to be toward the end of the year. We're sitting in our house, the fireplace is going, it's really nippy outside. Uh, so California. Yeah, so who's thinking about the beach? But this is one of those places that if you want to be in the beach in June or July, this is about the time that you got to be thinking about making that reservation because if mm-hmm. you're going to wait till March or April to make your June state beach camping reservation, and especially in Southern California, yeah. odds are you'll be out of luck. Right. So right. I think the last thing, just remembering that this is dry camping. Mm-hmm. You have several options to camp at El Capitan. There's tent camping, but there's also RV camping. And if anybody's like us and you've not done the dry camping before, just be ready for some of the things that we described that yeah. may happen. 
And by the way, there are some spigots throughout some of the loops that we, that you can get some water from. Drinking water. There, yeah. it's, it's potable water, yeah. so you can drink from it. So yeah. I think that's intended because there are tent campers there and they do need some water source. Yeah. So leaving El Capitan State Beach, this was our first experience camping in a trailer at a spot like this. You know, by the time that we left, even though this was a short turnaround trip, it definitely whet my appetite for doing something like this again. Mm -hmm. For us knowing that a place like this is only, what, an hour and a half-ish yeah, away. At the most, yeah. It makes it very accessible. And you've got this kind of camping opportunity all up and down the Pacific coast. So if not El Capitan, there's very many other state beach campgrounds. And I think most of them are kind of similar in terms of most of them, if not I don't know if it's true that about all of them, but most of them are dry camping. Most of them are, you know, it's six months in advance reservation, but all of them also have the ones on the beach. You've got just that gorgeous Pacific yeah. Ocean, and it's just a beautiful place to be. And just to hear the sound of the crashing waves mm -hmm. is always wonderful. Mm -hmm. And at a state beach campground, to have that kind of view doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So. That's the kind of camping we have on the coast of Southern California. It's one campground, one example, but if you enjoy camping, if you enjoy the ocean, if you have yourself a tent, or even if you don't own an RV, there's rental opportunities. Mm -hmm. In fact, some of these places, there's preset trailers already set up by some companies and you can just mm -hmm. basically book them almost like you book a hotel. Right. So there's options for you know many uh people's circumstances and just a, i think a neat option that we have for vacationing in california so that was a little different experience from most of the ones that we've been sharing but it's something that we've recently done so we wanted to share it with you all yes and i hope you got some good tips from our california beach experience for now we're going to say goodbye we hope to see you at the places where we go. Bye. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.